from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. You throw a gif on there? Oh, if I throw a gif? Like, that means something. I love bears doing human things. Right. I don't like bears being bears. Right. We're not going to do handwritten notes. God, no. Jesus. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go. Five o'clock hour. Steve Cofield. The company is Adam Hill. We are broadcasting from both the Finley Toyota Studios and the Battleborn Broadcast Center. If you uh, need to get in touch with Justin Watkins, Matt Hoffman, 570-9000 is the number at Battleborn. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Middle of the show, we were talking about potentially fading the Browns as we are getting some inklings of maybe super harsh, a super harsh penalty coming down from the NFL and Deshaun Watson. So fade the Browns. Are you ready to bet college football Brad Power style? Brad Power is our college football expert who's on on Thursdays, and he's already got like 100 bets in on yeah. win totals. Uh, he was just telling us the story last week about uh, win totals were way off at some of the Arizona books. So he drove about 30 miles into Arizona, made sure he had a clear signal, and he pointed out some uh, some crazy difference in win total spots. So the Golden Nugget, Tony Miller, our buddy down at the Golden Nugget, that sportsbook has posted the entire season for UNLV football. I think ESPN last week had UNLV estimated to be favorites in two games, and they their FPI said they will win 4.4 games, which is kind of weird, you know what I mean, when it's uh, your favorite in two games. But uh, we've explained this in the past. And in Tony's case, he's got UNLV favored in four games. He's got Idaho State in the opener, getting 25.5 against the Rebels at Allegiant. They're favored by 14 against New Mexico. They're favored on the road by three at Hawaii. And in the season finale against Reno, they're favored by one. Uh, The rest of the slate is filled mostly with double-digit dog spots, which I think is interesting because there's several of those spots, Adam, that, uh, listen, and teams are different year to year, but there are several of those spots where they're double-digit dogs. Uh, Those are some of the games that are included in that bunch. You remember a year ago, Rebels were 0-6, in games that were decided by eight points or less. They lost all of them. So they played competitively, but yeah. they lost all of them. Yeah, and you've got to see if you can turn those into wins now. And uh, as you look down the board, I'm nowhere even in the ballpark close to ready to bet on college football games. <laughs> Especially Mountain West, um, college football. And I yeah. will tell you the hardest thing right now, um, like jumping way ahead on betting, is the portal. Oh, yeah. Because ju- just to kind of take into account the players who left certain programs and then the infusion of talent is going to take some research. Oh, yeah. And that's why, I've, I mean, I'm sure I won't be betting games early in the season yeah. um, as you kind of get a feel for what the teams are before you start to actually uh, bet some of the college football games. But, yeah, I mean, I think looking at the numbers from people that actually do follow it a bit more closely and try to get a better sense of what every single team has, uh, you see that you know UNLV at least has some respect in the market. I know a lot of people reacted to the same thing you did of, well, wow, they're double-digit dogs in a lot of the games, but I mean, those teams are good teams. Those are tough games that they have uh, in those spots. I mean, and then you've got the end of the year, your favorite in two straight games. So I think the the biggest takeaway to me to look at the schedule is say, all right, they need to get themselves in a position where, you know, they have something to play for those last two games. And obviously one is a rivalry game, but, right. um, 
you know, if you get to those spots, you have two winnable games to close the schedule. So uh, that should that should be optimistic. Do you, for do the you team. think they can have four or five wins by the final two weeks? It's possible. I think it is too. Yeah, I think it's possible. Yeah, they're uh, they're getting ten and a half at Cal. I'm not sure they're going to win that one. They're um, a slight dog against North Texas. I think that's a game they have to a win mass- to kind of set massive up massive game to set up. Uh, what could be a season where you're closer to five, six, seven wins. They're getting one and a half in that one. And then, like I said, some of the games where they played really close um, and sometimes had ball in hand with a chance to tie the game, they're getting 12 against Utah State. That was a close game. They just couldn't defend the pass. They're getting six against San Jose State. Again, that was tight. Uh, that one was uh, you know bone crunching at the end as there was a, a blocking assignment blown and Cameron Friel got folded in half. Uh, and they were, I think they were probably on like the 18. So might have been a long shot that we're going to be able to win that one. Uh, remember, San Diego State was very close. They're getting 11 and a half in that one. Fresno State on the road was very close, and they're here, Fresno, and they're laying 12 and a half. So I don't think there's anything crazy outrageous on this one. I w- would say I have the expectation that they should be able to beat Reno. Um, Reno lost a lot. Yeah. And w- when their coach got stolen away by Jane Orville, got stolen away. You're basically just for a payday, and I don't blame him. He had a salary basically tripled. He took a ton of guys from the roster, and they were already losing some good players. They had a good team last year. They were already losing a bunch of guys in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, we know it really doesn't matter who's on the team or what the rosters look like. Like that, it's always just a battle. Uh, I would bet. I would bet that one right now. That would be the one I look at as the the one I'd be most interested in. Um, I'm. I don't know what the number is right now because I think it came out on Sunday. So UNLV minus one against Reno. Yeah, I mean, it's it's essentially a toss-up. So if you think you know he's going to win that game and is at home, then get on it. Number four. Interesting. Uh, Tampa Rays, five players got together. Uh, They had a Pride Day on Saturday, and they had a a logo, uh, a Tampa Ray logo that was going to represent Pride Day. And five of the players got together and said, we're not going to wear it. And then they put out a statement. Yeah. What do you think of the statement? Well... And it's only by one of the players. So the uh, the five players were uh, Jason Adam, Jalen Beeks, Brooke Ra- uh, Brooks Raley, Jeffrey Springs, Ryan Thompson, all pitchers. They, I mean, they used religion as obviously. The, I'll, I'll read reason. you the statement. No, I, have, I mean, I, okay, I have, have it. Yeah, read a little bit of it. Um, said a lot of it comes down to faith to like a to like a faith based decision. So it's a hard decision because ultimately we all said what we want is them to know that that all are welcome and loved here. Uh, But when we put it on our bodies, I think a lot of guys decided that it's just a lifestyle that maybe not that they look down on anybody or think differently. It's just that we maybe don't want to encourage it. If we believe in Jesus, who's encouraged us to live a lifestyle that would abstain from that behavior. Just like Jesus encourages me as a heterosexual male to abstain from sex outside of the confines of marriage. It's no different. Now, are, are they, are they practicing that? Because if they are, then okay. <laughs> that would be funny around the locker room if, uh, you know, they're looking at these five pitchers and they're like, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. Bro, I saw you up in Boston last week. Like, I think, what are you talking about? I think most people have trouble with the statement multiple times. Uh, it's a lifestyle. Yeah, of course. It, that's how they're choosing to live. Now, with, uh, no. this could be spun into a lot of things. What I find very fascinating is if you remember last week, uh, Riverboat Ron, the governor of Florida, went at the Rays because the Rays pledged support for gun reform and Riverboat Ron came out and said, hey, listen, that money you want publicly, I don't support that. But he also made it clear. He's like, hey, I'm not going to basically incentivize or back with public money your private decisions when it comes to politics. 
there's no doubt in my mind that Ron DeSantis will come out in the next couple of days and embrace these five guys. I don't know. I don't know if he's that. He's reckless, but I don't know if he's that stupid. Why? Because he's. You think it, that? You think that would be overstepping? Yeah, it, it would be. It'd just be so. Like that's what that's what he most does. politicians are hypocritical. Yeah. That would be like the most hypocritical thing of all time. Why? That would be so insane. He if he's most of his effort is to feed his base. Of course. Give them the red meat. This is great red meat. Of course. But even I think even if you're a DeSantis supporter, you can't possibly imagine you can't possibly back him getting behind this. You can't. Why can't he spin it the same exact way? And turn it into, hey, they're the victims. You know, I'm not. Again, I'm not. Oh, giving, you would say, you would not, say they're I'm, expressing I'm, I'm publicly. Not giving, I'm not giving public money to uh, to an organization that potentially could be forcing guys to wear a pride patch. No, he would. He would. It would. It would be. You're, now you're supporting sports getting political. That you can't. No, you. I don't. I don't think. I think his aspirations are so high. Okay. He can't possibly be that dumb. You're, you can't. You're going out of town, so I uh, I don't know that you'll see any text. I will text you Wednesday or Thursday when he says something about this. He cannot be that dumb. There's what? no way. <laughs> There's no way. He will. He will. What's your take on this? It's it's pretty gross. Yeah. To me. Um. Again, you're not you're not wearing a patch saying I'm gay. Even if you were like that, <laughs> whatever. But like that, all you're doing like he, they're saying, hey, we want to support an inclusive place for people to to feel comfortable are you really it doesn't sound like it your statement's like your lifestyle is condemned bro like that doesn't sound inclusive to me or welcoming it sounds it sounds like basically sounds like you're saying hey look if you're in if you're in our clubhouse you're going to hell so why, why do we why would we want you why would we want to support that like that that does not sound welcoming at all to me Preston Wilson, former major leaguer, said there's a special ignorance in sports on this topic. Every person in MLB has at some point played with a homosexual teammate. They've all cheered for their success on the field. They have all felt their pain when they struggled. Uh, they just didn't know who that player was or if that player was uh, LGBTQ. I mean, almost certainly true. Yeah, and Kevin Kiermeyer, uh, one of the teammates on – the Rays says, it's one of those things my parents taught me to love everyone as they are. Go live your life, whatever your preferences are. Go be you. I can't speak for everyone who's in here, obviously, but this is a family-friendly environment here at the big league ball field. We just want everyone to feel welcomed and included and cheer us on, no matter what your views are on anything. Number three. This, we're still doing this. Now weeks into OTAs and now minicamps coming up. The Patriots' offensive play caller this season is, quote, trending in Matt Patricia's direction. They have not named, by they, Belichick. Belichick has not named his offensive coordinator. As we know it, I guess Joe Judge, the former Giants coach, is working with the quarterbacks. Patricia, the former D.C. in name of the Patriots and head coach with the Lions, is working with the offensive line. So Matt Patricia could be the offensive coordinator. This is following up Josh McDaniels, who I think a lot of people consider a top five, top seven OC in the league. Is it time the sportsbooks look at the win total, Patriots eight and a half on the season, and at least ding it a half a win back down to eight? And by I, back down, I just mean down to eight. You can ding them for a lot of reasons, I think. I don't know if this will be the one, because do you believe it? I don't. What do you think he's going to come up with? 
No, I that don't. He's, I that believe he's running, that, that he's running the offense. No, I believe that they've had an offensive coordinator. They've known who the offensive coordinator is, okay. and they're doing exactly what the Raiders do. Like we're gonna practice three fields away. We're also right. not gonna tell you who's calling plays because why would we? It's a competitive advantage. Why do you want your opponent? Like, I don't know how much people know this, but you know teams aren't like sitting at home doing nothing in the off season. They're studying their opponents. They're studying tendencies. They're studying all these things. Why tell every team on your schedule? I mean, this is just what's done in the league. Why tell every team on your schedule who's going to be calling plays so you can start studying their tendencies? Again, I would love to know who the offensive coordinator is. It would help me break down the team. It would help me tell their stories. It would help me know who to go talk to. Again, this is not the team I cover, but like it would help me know who to go talk to. Okay, I have a question about the offense. I got to go talk to the coordinator. But it's not their job to make my job easier, so I think they're just hiding. I don't believe that they don't know. Number two. Glad that took you a good minute and 15 seconds because I did just bet under eight and a half, even money on the Patriots. I will be doing the same thing once you speak and analyze this one and betting the over on the Raiders. Experts have the Raiders as the number eight team in the National Football League. The Bucks one, Bills two, Rams three, Chiefs four, Chargers five, Packers six, Ravens seven. Raiders, the number eight team in the NFL, from the experts at Madden. That's a Madden leak. Madden 23 leak. Number eight team, and their total's eight and a half? Well, it's also, Easy. I mean, it's the good and the bad. They're also the third best team in the division. By the way, by the numbers, they're just behind Kansas City and the Chargers. I'm very fired up. They're still the third best team in the division. If you're going to use that as the measuring stuff. Not to start controversy. This is very serious stuff. Um, can we trust the Madden game when it is the Raiders to give give the Raiders a little bit of a bump with well, some of the ratings? Madden is on Big the John cover. Big John just passed away. And he is on and, the cover. And Madden is back on the cover. And I think they probably got a little bit of a bump from that. Um, but, I mean, I don't think it's insane to think they're that high. But, again, even, even if you're just going to take this, which is a very optimistic outlook for the Raiders, I think, they're still the third best team in the division. You know, at some point, I think we need to clip down Arkansas radio guy just screaming about loser. Do you want to just flip out here? Do you want to just start yelling at the Madden designers? No. You are losers! No. Losers! Not that, not that far off. Brown's the number nine team, you losers! No. no. Not going to work. Well, I mean, Browns could be, if Watson played all year, he'd be in the top three. You know that ain't happening. It would be interesting. It'd be very interesting. Number two. News in on the Broncos. They're going to have a new owner. So this has been rumored for a couple of weeks. It's going to be one of the Waltons. He's worth upwards of like 65 or $70 billion. The team's going to be sold for $4.5 billion, close to home. What does that do for Mark Davis? Well, doesn't, certainly... doesn't MD's team just jump up? You would think so. A few hundred million dollars I mean, in you value. Think, you would think that the Raiders are more valuable than the Broncos. Okay. With all the influx of money, the stadium deal, everything that they got. Like the, the thought is across the league, almost every team jumps up in value. If the Broncos are going to go for four and a half billion, I saw uh, someone throwing out there that the Cowboys are worth eight billion. I would say if, if just on that scale, the Raiders have to be what six, six billion dollars. I mean, it's it's insane what franchises are worth but they are that's what they're worth i mean that's it's it's i'm not saying it's insane from a standpoint of like they're being overvalued like that's they they are cash cows 
they will bring in money and then they're bringing more money there there's you know still media rights deals ahead and there's all this influx of cash coming into the league it's a pretty profitable business and i know you know two years ago it was gone it was dead it was the business was over uh but now it's kind of somehow bounced back coming up let's get into the raiders and the goals in minicamp of the biggest stories the biggest things that uh, adam hill is going to be looking for tuesday wednesday thursday Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Western Conference Finals. If you want to hear the game, it's over on our sister station, 1230 The Game. We run a lot of play-by-play on that station. Colorado, Edmonton, five minutes in. Colorado already out to a one nothing lead. You know, we're just talking about the Broncos. Looks like they're going to be purchased for $4.5 billion by one of the Waltons. Uh, one of the Walmart family dudes is worth about $70 billion, right? So instantly goes to the top of the ownership ranks. I think David Tepper was the uh, previous richest owner. The NFL is so nuts to buy into. It's funny, I got a text over the weekend. Someone was asking me, you know, someone here, you know, who's here in Vegas, or like, hey, what happened to the Fertitas bid? Because we had heard for a long time, hey, you know, they want to get in the NFL. Four and a half billion dollars. And I asked you, I'm like, hey, what happened to their bid? I just assumed that it got too expensive. It got too expensive for the Fertita brothers. I, th- that's an assumption. I don't know. Like, I know that they've, I know a lot about what they've done in the past and trying to bid for teams, but. Yeah. Um, I don't know any think about first-hand that. knowledge on this. Think about how freaking rich you have to be to be a majority owner in the National Football League if you're not, if it's not handed to you by your father yeah. or your mother or your family. I mean, that's the best way to get to go about My it. My God, the most common way to go about it. Four and a half billion dollars. That's crazy. It's craziness. The only way that Adam or I are going to amass wealth like that is if we win a lot of fantasy leagues. And I don't play in enough. You play in a lot. A lot. So. Might take you a little while to amass your first billion, though, via fantasy football. Especially because the two leagues I haven't got paid for yet. That's, oh, really? Yeah. You going to be doing some slapping soon? No, it's, I mean it's disorganized leagues that I probably maybe I shouldn't have been in them. But it's it's one of those things where you don't want to like complain too much. You're like, I mean, are that you know when you think you about do it, pay up front like you. Sh- of course, you should. Yeah, get paid. Yeah. When you think about it, is Tommy Pham a guy you want to have in the league? Enforcer? Yeah. I think so. Because you're too meek. Like, if Tommy Pham finished second, you, know, you finished first. Like, but the, he, the money's going to get paid. I still don't know if he, when he left the league, did he pay? Because he left the league in the oh, middle of the season. Yeah. Over the, the incident. But did he still put the money up? I don't know. And, by the way, not every every league has someone like a, a Tommy Pham. I mean, I think, well... You know we we're, we're in a baseball league together. It's a pretty it's a pretty laid back league. <laughs> I'm in other ba- I'm in other baseball and football leagues where you know you better do what's right or some slapping might be coming it's most, your way. Mostly one person. Yes. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's yeah. a, they, they, you need that one person in the league to drop the freaking hammer. Now we don't know if OJ is that guy. I think we just have the perception that he's the heavy in that football oh. league that he talks about all the time. Um, he's been gone a while. He was uh, you know he's one of our hometown heroes. He's been gone a while, hasn't put out any videos, hasn't, you know, none of the, hey, yours truly. Uh, we played a little clip earlier. Apparently, he was at a sushi restaurant. A fight broke out. Um, and he said, thank God there weren't any guns. Because guns are required for any violent crime. Well, 
But he did come away mentioning that uh, fantasy football magazines are out. He spent all weekend, or at least at least one whole day, reading up on this fantasy football season, and he had a couple of questions. He had some questions going into okay. the fantasy draft. So go ahead, OJ. We're getting close to fantasy football, something that I can feel positive about. I came up with a couple of questions. One, if I had the first pick, who would I take? It has to be either Jonathan Taylor or King Henry, who I expect to have a big bounce back year this year. Okay, number one, would that be a PPR? Because Derrick Henry can't be considered in a PPR yeah. as a number one pick. And regardless of that, are those guys a number one pick? I mean, I'm I'm very pro Jonathan Taylor, for sure. Um, and I think their offense this year is going to be even even more impressive. Um, I I feel like they're they're going to just ride him. Um, I thought Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams. Yeah, it's just it's. They put up so they'll put up the most points, and I know that's confusing to be like, well, if they put up the most points, why wouldn't I draft him? Well, it's it's position scarcity and value, and it's economics is really what it comes down to because right. you're going to be able to find guys that are going to put up big years. Now, I wouldn't be t- completely opposed to, it, especially you know, in a PPR type setting of, hey, I just want to get that one surefire guy, and especially running backs are so, um, you know, are so unpredictable in terms of injuries and that sort of thing. Um, I wouldn't be necessarily opposed to it, but uh, you you almost have to go elite running back if you're at the top. That's why I also don't want to have the first pick. I'd like to pick late in the first round. I can just get receiver and then receiver on the on the turn and then try to find running backs later and just try to cobble something together off, off the waiver wire as the year goes on. But um, if you're at the to take one of the guys, I'm definitely – I've seen Christian McCaffrey ranked as high as third. No chance. No chance. Then you would take him? No. Where would you pick Christian McCaffrey or, or Saquon Barkley now? After these past two injury-plagued seasons, uh, I don't think you're going to take him in the first round, uh, maybe not even in the second round, certainly by the third round. The anomaly about running backs is where they're, the, they're next to the tight end, the least paid uh, skill position player, more running backs will go in the first round of fantasy football uh, than any other position. You agree? This is why you want to be. I just, but I just like, wow, what is he? I just he's he doesn't sound like a very sharp fantasy guy, but he's obsessed with it. Like you would think, it. you would learn at some it. point. He loves it. Um, I told you he's going to be seventy-five. McCaffrey is going first round, and actually, first half of first round. I would, I would bet anyone that he would. Um, when, I when, when I saw when I saw OJ say uh, second, maybe third, I'm like, dude, I don't know what leisure you're in. There ain't no way Christian no. McCaffrey just based on upside. Yeah, I mean he's if and he and, and when he's ball. played, he's been freaking awesome. Yeah. And and if it's PPR yeah. and it's no, it. there's no chance OJ. Anyone who's in OJ's league, tell him right now. Where do there's you? No chance. I've been doing he's going a, in the second. Or I've been doing mocks already. Um, you have? Oh yeah, June. Where? Yeah, of course. Okay, my bad. Sorry. Well, I, I had I had a lot of decisions to make. I, I told you about this new league that I got in, which is involving it's, the it's guy e- we just talked about. It's even more rules than than you're used to that than you want. Well, no, I'll figure them out. It'll take me okay. three seasons to figure it out, I think. But right. it's like a forty-page rule book. <laughs> there, the you're, dude, I, I I could show you some of this stuff, but I had to I make decisions. It's okay. a, it's an entire basically you have an entire roster already. Like you're carrying oh, wow. it over year to year, and you can't cut guys if they're on multi-year contracts, and like you have salary cap penalties. There's uh, franchise tags on guys. Holy it's crap. nuts. Yeah. 
So I've been already. I already had to do some drafts to try to figure out some value on some of those guys because I had decisions to make by uh, May thirty first. So I had to. I had to do a bunch of them. But Saquon Barkley sounds awesome in twelve team leagues, late third. Really? Yeah. So he's. I mean, he has dramatically fallen. It, McCaffrey has not. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak fourteen different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. Three and one to Gallo. He charges it up in the air to right field. He was ready and he toasted it. We're tied at two. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Joey. I don't even know. Baby. That's so sad. I haven't been able to sing it very often this year. Gallo in a horrific slump. Horrific slump. By the way, one of my favorite headlines of last week in the New York Post was uh, Joel Sherman talking about the Yankee disaster that keeps getting worse. And I, the, when I read it, I was like, they're like 33 and 15 at the time. I, what are they now? 37 and 15. I'm like, what disaster? Kind of overdoing it. Well, I will they're, say, they're, I, was, they're, I was watching them a lot over the weekend. Yeah. The booing is out of control. I'm sure. Well, but you know what? How, you know, it's like, I don't know. In New York, is it in New Jersey and whatever, Connecticut, you know, tri-state area? Is it like, who's the chicken? Who's the egg? Right? Who causes it? Yeah. Who causes the intensity where you turn on players? Is it the fans who would just do it and the media is just feeding them what they want? Or is it the media who do it? Because the reference was Gallo. And Aaron Hicks are just disasters. Like, they haven't been good. It's also 45, you know, 50 games into the season. Chill. It's a long season. Now, I don't know if Gallo is going to come out of it in New York. He might just be one of those guys who, because of the, you know, the expectations and then the pressure and the booing, just doesn't come out of it. There's been a lot of guys who've gone to the Yankees and the Mets who just couldn't perform. And then they go elsewhere and they get their career back. So, I'm not sure what's going to happen with them. I'm, I'm you know, I think they're going to give him a chance. They certainly don't want to have you know a lineup where there's no freaking lefties, and he is made for Yankee Stadium. And we brought it up early in the year. You know, a lot of this might be because of the mushy balls. You know, because he's a launch angle guy, he's a freaking slam the ball guy, and all of a sudden, you know, you're losing distance off the ball because the balls are all soft. Well, this year. You have to make contact to find out. That too. <laughs> I mean, it's the ball. The ball goes nowhere if you don't hit it. Yeah, I think that's his issue right now. I mean, it's always been his issue, but it's it's been more pronounced right now. And um, you're not you could take the strikeout after strikeout after strikeout if the reward was home run. Right. It's well, that's what he, that's there. what he was before this. You'd, you'd get two ten with 110 walks and 40 home runs. Yeah. Right now you're getting you know 180 with seven home runs and it feels like eight RBI. Yeah, it, it, it's not it been 17 now. What do, do we have? Do we have? I used to remember how I used to look at it every day. I'd announce every day what his numbers were. For some reason, I lost, I, I lost my, the Joey watch. For some reason, some of my enthusiasm waned. It's, yeah, Yankees are 39 and 15 now. and a, uh, a nightmare that won't go away anytime soon. Yes. And uh, Gallo has bumped it up to, no, it was about right. He's got six homers and nine RBI. Okay. It's coming along. I mean, it's getting there. I mean, you got to get guys on base for the home runs. Put someone in front of him, man. Meanwhile, Matt Carpenter came in and, like, uh, kicked booty right out of the gate. So they're trying anything they can. But whatever they're doing with the lineup, it's working well enough because their pitching is ridiculous. They had a stretch uh, before yesterday. What was yesterday? A 5-4 game. Uh, they had a stretch where I think the, the five 
maybe going back Saturday, five games they had won 33-3. to three. And by the way, I'd also seen a video from about two weeks ago where some you know, blogger jabroni was like, their, their pitching's just not up to snuff. This just ain't working. I'm like, I think it's working. Did uh, a complete side note, did you see the video breaking down? I know it's uh, I've talked about them before. John Boy, who does a great job with a lot of baseball stuff. Do you see their breakdown of the top, of, of the Yankees figuring out Elvin Rodriguez's pitching? Tip, tipping no, pitches? I, I saw the tweet and I never got to watch it. Yeah, it's he, they, tremendous. They, they, they got him tipping pitches. It's tremendous. Like eight, uh-huh. it's like eight minutes long, but it's really impressive that it's not like anybody told him he figured out exactly how the Yankees figured it out and then did a video breakdown of it. Wow. And like they clearly knew uh, he was tipping pitches from the stretch only, not from the windup. So they started trying to get guys on base just so they could get the pitches. Huh. So they like they showed like, here you go, see this inning. They dropped on a bunt to start the inning. They just want a guy on base. Now they're trying to walk so they can have a guy on base because yeah. they know what's coming when he gets to the stretch. And he got bombed out of the stretch. He got destroyed. It was it was really really fascinating to watch. But for anybody that's like really hardcore into baseball, like that was a great breakdown, and it, it shows how good how sophisticated the Yankees are offensively too. That they were able to figure it out. And and get their swings and know what know what they wanted to hit and uh, read a pitcher that way. Are they doing something wrong, or is that part of the game? I mean, isn't it, isn't it kind of the same thing in football? I I don't know if you were in the day I was no, talking it's about. Exactly what you're supposed to do. I don't know if you were in the day I was talking about. The Reno football coach Ken Wilson um, thought it was a big deal that they moved the side where they are on the field on the sideline to the opposite side. They were they were underneath the side of the like the one. A set of stands, um, and now I'm blanking on the name of their freaking stadium. Whatever, that's what, where Mackey. Yeah, Mackey. So the press box, that's where the press box is. So one, he said, oh, it gets colder on that side. You know, we want the other team to be cold when it's cold there. And the other thing he said is, well, we don't want them looking down when we're trying to call plays. I'm like, my God. All right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with. But it. I mean, that's where like that's the suspicion. I told you, I I truly believe that um, the way UNLV ran their 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 uh, spring football showcase, right? where they just kind of went through a practice and actually Arroyo said it. He's like, man, we're not going to show too much. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, like anyone can get into the stadium. So anyone can pick up our tendencies and you start thinking about it. You're like, my God, like the maniacal level that you have to be at when it comes down to strategy and potentially guarding against stuff being stolen. But I'm, I'm with it. I mean, I, I was, we were talking earlier about, you know, the, you know, how little they're letting us see with the Raiders. I'm, I'm for it. Like, like you're not mad. That, that's what they should be doing. Yeah. Like th- again, you have there's certain access we have to have, right. and I, w- I would love to see every play. I would yeah. love to be right on the field where their where their plays are. But I'm with them for like if I don't need to show what's going on, yeah. I'm not going to. Like and I'm yeah, with you, that. you sound like a terrible media person because you should want to know all that stuff. Like, I do. Like la- uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, when I was out there, Denzel Goods running around, and you're like mm, a little little limp there. Like yeah. I would be like, get the hell inside. <laughs> right. You yeah. don't want any of those guys to see you limping. Any bit at all, one hundred percent. It's coming back from a serious injury, so it's not. Yeah, like, so we shocking. knew. Yeah, but but yeah, it's it's uh, again. I want every single bit of access I can get, and I want to see everything that's going on. But I know why they don't want you to, and I, I get that part of it. It's a dance. So for you, the, this mandatory mini camp where everyone's got to show up. What's the top storyline? Are we are we still talking about Leatherwood at right tackle? Yeah, I mean, I, I know the you know ESPN had to break down each of the eleven teams and what's the most important storyline at mini camp, and it was. You know, chemistry between Carr and Adams, how quickly that's developing. Uh, that's, I think they're going to be fine. <laughs> I, think the, I think they'll be fine. They've known together in the offseason. They've known each other since college. I think, I think it'll be fine. How they fit in this offense. I, I thought a really, really interesting thing that was so minute last week that came up 
I'm interested in, but again, we won't necessarily see it. Um, and I don't think it's an issue because we know what the Patriots have done in the past, what Josh McDaniels has done with slot receivers. And we expect Hunter Renfro to just absolutely thrive in this offense. But last week, one of the things he was saying is they're changing a lot of things that he's done and saying, no, you have to do it this way. And they're, they're putting it in the system because every single route matters what everybody else is doing, right? So you're running this route to get this guy open, and then he's running his route to get this guy open. So like everything's connected. But one of the dangers is that Hunter Renfro has been so good at freelancing. And it sounds like maybe that's not necessarily as much a part of this offense. Uh-oh. Like he's not going to have that. Now, he, didn't, he wasn't complaining. Uh-oh. He just said, I really like how they're coaching me and saying, like, if you do, if you do it that way, then this guy's route is not going to be as effective. So you have to do it this way. Oh, no. And he's totally in. He was saying it as a pro. Okay. But in my mind, I was like, I don't know. I, I mean, he's been so good. At, I'm sure he's going to thrive in this offense. There's no question. So he won't be able to just freelance and do the China route all the time. It's my I mean, favorite I'm, route. I assume that they're going to build that into the I don't offense. know where the hell he's going. No one else does either. I, I assume they're going to build that into yes. the offense because it makes a lot of sense. It works. But um, there's Devo- nothing to watch. Are Devontae Adams and uh, Renfro getting along well? I, I heard the story last week that Renfro at one point didn't know who he was. He didn't. This is a weird one. Well, he, and he said, he said when he first got drafted, he was throwing with Derek Carr um, outside in Oakland uh, at the facility. He just met up with him. He's like, "Hey, I'm on the team. This is cool. I'm throwing with the quarterback." And he said, constantly, like he would, he would just, you know, he would go back to the to talk to Carr or whatever, and he'd be like, "Yeah, when well, me and Devontae did this, and Devontae was this," and he would just kept mentioning this Devontae guy. And at some point, Hunter Renfro finally kind of worked up the ner- the nerve to be like, "Who?" Like, I don't know who you're eh, talking eh. about. And he's like, he was like, wait, what? And so Hunter Renfro is an obsessed college football fan that had never watched the NFL, really. So he was like, I, I didn't know who this Devontae person was that he was talking about. This is four years ago. This is not now, obviously. Okay. He's seen Devontae Adams since he's been in the NFL. But yeah, he didn't know who Derek Carr was talking about or, like, what relationship Derek Carr necessarily right. had because I guess he wasn't watching Mountain well, West. Well, it's, it's funny. Another. We assume, and like, college football and NFL players are, like, gigantic football fans. Oh, not, always. Level, right? not always. Not always. No. They just don't pay attention, some of them. No. no. Which is nothing wrong with it. Uh, so last week, I put out a list of my top candidates for the job that was held by Brent Musburger. Uh, one, through your sources, what happened here? Why is Brent not announcing? Why is he not the play-by-play guy? Um, I mean, I, I, I don't have a definitive answer on it. I, I, my assumption is that the traveling is just not worth it at right. this point. And he's 83 years old. Yeah. Um, I know he likes to spend a lot of time at his ranch, um, but season is a grind, man. I, I, you know, I, I know that it's a, it's an awesome business to be in. It's an awesome job to be traveling with the team all the, all the time. And again, not a complaint, Yeah. but when you're traveling like every week and you're traveling, even to home games sometimes if he's, yeah. if he's on his ranch, so you're traveling I, every single week. And I think to do play by play, you got to be around the team during the week. Oh yeah. I don't think you just ask questions of others. I think you got to see for yourself. Of course. It's a gr- the season is a grind. There's yeah. no question about it. I'll tell you what, uh, Raiders Twitter, which I you know talk about all the time, and Raiders the blogosphere, they weren't very nice to Brent. No, ooh. Hmm. Well, I, there was a lot of bashing. There was there was hard feelings a, anyway. A lot of bashing because it goes back to Greg Pop. That's what I was gonna say. There was a lot of hard feelings from the start yeah. because Greg Pop was so beloved. Um, so, I mean, I get that. It sucks that you would take that out on the next guy, but that's always going to happen. My uh, my list included Beth Mowens as my top candidate. Um, I think Dan Duva is amongst or the best play-by-play guy in the market. I think it would be awesome 
doing football. Yeah. I have no idea if he or Gocher would be interested in it. Um, and then I put, you know, guys who are um, could do play by play, but also, you know, kind of bring the fan element to it. Right. Since they're they're followers of the team and they've been around the team forever. Um, I throw on Hondo Carpenter um, and I also throw out JT the Brick. And JT's actually getting a lot of support. Yeah. I've seen a lot JT of, a lot did of people, XFL back in the day. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter that are uh, going in that direction. Interesting. I'm not going to comment on your other choice, but I, I think, uh, yeah, I think a lot. there's been a lot of push. Do they stay local in the market or they try to make a big splash? They try to get someone, you know, a TV person. I don't know. I don't even know who's making the decision, to be honest. Marcel Reese just got bumped up. Well, he changed. He changed title. Okay, I don't think his descri- the job description changed. He doesn't have more power. Uh, no, not not that he. No, he has a lot of power, but he had a lot of power last week. Now he still has a lot of power. They just changed titles. They didn't change his job description. Um, maybe he is very involved. Um, maybe there's a new president in the next couple of weeks, and then that person, you know, makes a decision. I I don't know. I don't know who's making the. I'm sure Mark Davis is making the final call. But I don't know who's all going to be involved in the process. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So 11 mini camps opening up. Uh, ESPN put out a list of uh, all 11 teams and the things to watch in minicamp. I thought Green Bay was interesting. You know, Rodgers getting used to new receivers, especially guys like Christian Watson and uh, Reno's Romeo Dubs. And even more interesting than that is the Steelers have a tradition. They win at a pretty high level. They don't go below 500. And... They've gone with the bridge plan here to potentially a rookie playing at some point. I don't love the pick of Kenny Pickett. Um, I don't know if you noticed last week, but uh, they were asking Mason Rudolph about him mentoring. And and he, he made comments. And listen, you're just answering the questions. But I'm like, dude, I don't think you're going to be on the team. No, I don't either. Like, I think you're the odd man out. They're not going to keep Mason Rudolph as a three. They're going to get someone cheaper to be the three. Well, if they – And Trubisky will be one and Pickett will be two. And if Trubisky sucks ass, then – Pickett is going to get a chance, but it was like, hey, thanks, you'll be a mentor, but like your Steeler life here is probably short-lived. If you're going to take a quarterback in the first round, which I think they knew they were going to do all along, and the plan was, hey, we just need somebody to be a placeholder for the first couple weeks until he's ready to go, you just would have kept Mason Rudolph. You wouldn't have gone and got Mitch Trubisky. Right. You wouldn't have made any sense. He's replaced you. Yeah, he's he's the guy now. Mitch Trubisky will mentor Kenny Pickett. Maybe or he won't. I mean, we don't. We know it's like ten, yeah, Tannehill. Yeah, you we, who knows? About it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think it's the, clearly the plan is Trubisky's job until Pickett is ready, and Mason Rudolph is not part of the plan. Stick your hand in there, Dave. You see, uh, one of the Reno quarterbacks, the six nine kid, Nate Cox, got picked up for a DUI. I think it was this morning. It was yesterday morning, like four thirty in the morning. That thread was interesting. Can I just tell uh, Vegas people and, and uh, Rebel fans, don't comment on other programs yeah. about, you know, oh, Reno's doing Reno. Like any any program is a day away from having something similar happen. Of course. So, of course. Chillax. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, 
things happen. You don't know the situations all right. the time. I mean, yes, it's, it's a very dangerous thing, and it's something that should be. Well, people flipped out treated. about Nate Hobbs, uh, you know, and whatever happened to that parking garage. Sleeping. Right? Yeah. And in Napping the end, in the parking garage. In the end, it got wiped out. Yeah. You don't, you don't know how. And, 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 and look, look, sometimes the legal system allows people to get charges wiped out that probably shouldn't be wiped out. Like, we, we understand that there's a give and take in the legal system, and, you know, there's – you know, you try to do your best to get to the truth, and um, oftentimes money kind of corrupts that. But in the end, I mean, you don't know the, the facts of the situation. If he did it, he should be punished, obviously, um, to whatever extent the justice system does. But, yeah, when you run in the outside and trying to use this to, like, kind of, you know, celebrate somebody else's downfall or some other program's downfall, not always the best idea. Stick your hand in there, Dave. More follow-up on... The Lakers job and Jawan Howard. You know, Jawan Howard turned down the opportunity to interview for the job. Uh, people reporting, people, there are reports out there that he actually was the favorite. It was yeah. his job to take. Yeah. Are you happy? Um, Wolverines coach. I mean, I Although you've said before that you don't really love Jawan Howard. I would have loved Beeline back. It would have been awesome. Okay. Well, if you couldn't get Beeline, would you, would you uh, go for Howard to the Lakers and – Wolverine's unknown at that point. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I get why Jawan didn't want that job right now. Um, he's doing a, you know, better job than I thought he was going to at Michigan. I I, I don't know. He gets players. He gets players. And, and it's definitely a transfer portal destination. Yeah. Um, and, and the Lakers' future right now is a bit uncertain <laughs> with a lot of the contracts they have. And I mean, I saw the weird what Kyrie to the Lakers report today, which, okay. Um, Kyrie and what a swap with Westbrook, Westbrook basically just you know trouble West, for trouble Westbrook and Durant back together again. <laughs> How would that work out? I don't know. I you know as a Nets fan, I the the problem is that that's what you're dealing with, right? Kyrie's a pain in the ass, and you're probably gonna have to do. I mean, just just like the Harden Simmons thing. Yeah, you know you're trading. Hey, we just can't deal with this guy anymore. Maybe we can deal with the other guy. I mean, it, and if Westbrook continues to struggle offensively, and you'd have. What, like Simmons and Westbrook playing together? Both guys can't shoot from the perimeter? <laughs> that would be, be an interesting mix. So I don't know. I don't know how that would – again, it was just kind of a, a Twitter speculation thing. So um, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I, I don't – this Lakers job, unless you get like a guarantee of like five years to get it straightened out, I don't necessarily know is the right one to kind of jump into in the NBA. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I agree. It's not. You're a bridge to nowhere. But the, I mean, the Palinka and and Juwan connection makes a lot of sense. It's a good point. Did you feel old today when you were reading a report about baseball futures? A little bit. I mean, everybody else was freaking out more than I was. I was like, yeah, that's about it's about the right time. But there's a team that features David Ortiz's son and Manny Ramirez's son playing together, a futures team. Wow. Like that that seems too soon. But if you start to think back, you're like, yeah, that's about it's about right. About the right age. I mean, they're both what mid mid forties, late forties. Yeah, I think the kids are sixteen and eighteen, something like that. Makes sense. This whole child, the child be. thing, and the age. You know, computing the ages, I can't. I can't even do it. No, it's like tough. If someone, you know, someone told me like, yeah, you you would have like a, you know, a thirty year old right now. I'd be like, what? I wish it's I can impossible. remember. I wish I can remember some of the situations, but I've actually seen like a guy, like, on a roster, be like, that guy's still playing, and then oh no, it's his son. 
Like, okay, that's... Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> funny. I had the same thing happen yesterday. I was reading about, um, I guess, uh, Denim DeShields is a female basketball player, and she's got a sister, Diamond. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, are they the kids of Delano DeShields Jr.? And then reading through the story more, because I'm like, is Delano DeShields like 60? He's a grandfather? I'm like, no, it was, it's actually it's his kids. kids. Yeah, yeah. So he had some kids late. A little yeah. later. Yeah, it, it's... I don't know how, you know. Like I say all the time, I don't know how you people do this stuff with these kids. One more time in the back. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Were you rooting for Ukraine in soccer? Um, a little bit. I mean, I, I think it's it would have been a cool story. I think in the in the World Cup, but um, unfortunately, they lost to Wales. A really heartbreaking goal, and uh, Wales will be in instead of Ukraine. That'll do it. Thanks to uh, Battleborn for housing the show today.